Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave DiRio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two fans of a first place baseball team. What's up, Sarah and Gene? Uh, hi, Dave. Hi, Gene. I I love that intro, Dave. I love it. I I was wondering like what your pop culture thing would be from the week, but we don't need it. We have actually something to be excited about here in Philadelphia sports. Um, my name is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. My name is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I have to say, is this one of this is what got to be one of like the first times that in August we're having a show and the Phillies are in first place. I can't think of it. I don't think that's ever happened before in the history of the show. Well, it's you know, a stock up episode as opposed to previous Phillies first place episodes where we've been doing like stock down like oh my gosh it's slipping it's slipping it's slipping we're in second we're in third what is happening fire Gabe Kapler but no I mean to your point sir I did not want to bury the lead on this one and put some nonsense up front that would delay the talk about how excited we are about the Phillies coming off of this weekend the, the, could the weekend Who wants to just emote first I'll go I'll go I'll go <laughs> uh, could the weekend have gone better like it's it was I mean, as Wheeler good as could have thrown a no hitter. Oh, okay, fine, fine, <laughs> fine. It, it was a hypothetical, or sure, whatever. Sure, sure. It was whatever, but it was <laughs> wonderful. It was great. It, so often in Philadelphia sports lately, especially with the Phillies, when they have an opportunity in front of them, it is always squandered. To to have this really beneficial second half schedule. And to be the hottest team in baseball since, you know, July 1st, I think, you know, just cranking out the wins and, you know, they had an opportunity and the Phillies have been seizing on it again and again. The Mets come into town and they get swept. They get swept. We, we sweep the whole damn series. You know, it would have been enough just to win it. I would have been I would have been more than happy to take you know two out of three, but three out of three, bring it on! Yeah. It is so much fun to watch this team. It's so much fun to to be excited about baseball this late in the season. Yeah, well, coming off of the Nationals series where you, you, know, you sweep a four game series against the the AAA affiliate for the Washington Nationals, um, <laughs> and in particular the last game where it just didn't really feel like our day. It just didn't really feel like it was going to happen. And then just this, you know, ninth inning comeback with the double from, uh, it was just the double parade, right? It was like the double from uh, uh, JT, then like the big uh, uh, Reese Hoskins double, or I may have it reversed. I'm just not remembering it correctly. And then you're just like, okay, all right, half game back, bring in the Mets. And you know, like, I was like, I'm not even going to the ballpark. So, like, I want to go. But I will. I would get into a fight. I, I, I just, <laughs> I just know it because you know how these things go with with the Mets uh, in, in Citizens Bank Park. The Mets fans and I just can't handle it. Like I just get too angry. Um, although I did encourage everybody last week go go to that series to, to take, keep the ticket away from a Mets fan. Gene, what what was your like? Were you like? Could you even contain yourself uh, going into this Mets series? Well, I mean, there was a certain amount of, 
I don't want to say like show me, but uh, there was a certain amount of um, I didn't want to get overly high because constant disappointment has sort of been the, the theme <laughs> of my life. Um, but I was honestly very cautiously optimistic. I, I thought if there was ever a chance where sort of to a, a certain degree, there was no there was no reason not to still play loose the way they had been playing. Um, so I was hoping that if they just sort of came in and, and, and took care of business, the Mets could not have come in colder and they sort of stayed frigid. So that was sort of a, a great time to catch them. Um, it's sort of, yeah, nice I watched a lot of that. I watched a lot of that Mets Marlins series and just, they are just not hitting. They just can't, they just hit. can't hit a fastball. I mean, they just said it over and over and over again on, on the broadcast. Um, <laughs> It's a team that can't hit the fastball. If you're a major league baseball team that can't hit a fastball, they said. I saw a tweet. Ball. I saw a tweet from a Mets fan that said the only thing that the Mets can hit is the IL. No. <laughs> they 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 have got more injury problems than even the Phillies do, and the Phillies have had their share of COVID and IL and all yeah, we're fighting all kinds of stuff. Right off yeah, of, yeah, yeah, off the field. Um, but I will. The the other thing I sort of want to say, just sort of, uh, I don't know if it's tangentially, but like sort of in, in the same realm is. Um, how nice is it to be this close to a preseason Eagles game and not have to be worrying about like the depth chart of wide receivers or um, who's going to, you know, who we're going to see in the first quarter or the starters going to even play. Um, I really don't care about what's going to, I mean, like I will watch some of the game on Thursday, but there's so much happening in Philadelphia sports on Thursday. Honestly, the Eagles game might get taped and watched. How about how about Phillies fans at Eagles open practice chanting "Let's go Phillies"? Talk about like eat that, Lori. Turning. <laughs> what about throwback to 08? That's the like the last time I remember um, sort of that flip that that switch getting flipped. Even then, it's eh, that that that's not true. Probably more 09 that was happening a lot, but it, you would still hear Eagles chants in Citizens Bank Park, you know, when the, the Phillies were locking up the division. So it, it was really something to hear it at that practice. I was honestly surprised. I mean, the atmosphere at the ballpark has been amazing. Um, I just didn't expect it to move over to the links. So that was such a pleasant surprise, and I really well, hope I that continues. People, yeah, I think a lot of people went there for the twofer. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, let's watch the open practice, <laughs> drink our faces off at Xfinity <laughs> Live, and then go over to the Phillies game and probably continue to drink our faces off. Um, so let's start with Friday night. I'm not even, I'm just going to, like, skip the National Series. Like, as fun as that was, um, it really just set the table for this Mets series. So Friday night, we get, uh, we get the tribute to Dave Montgomery, which I thought was really cool. Um you know, he did a lot of great things for uh, for this organization and for the city and really put the Phillies on the map, not necessarily with wins, but just from like a culture standpoint, like how to treat staff, how to treat players, how to treat retired players and, and everything like that. So that was just, you know, of all the tributes this weekend, um, to me, I thought that was the most important one. It certainly was the most I felt truly uh, from like the Phillies culture, like truly, like David Montgomery was truly a Philadelphia Phillies institution. Um, I, I, it's it's been one of the stranger things since he passed to sort of watch the seasons go by and not see his sort of. I mean, he to me he was sort of the 
the the way you market as a as a as a baseball team. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. he sort of laid out a template that you know you never you always knew what you were going to get with 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 an interview with him and what he was going to talk about. He was bled red, you know, through and through. And um, you know, he was a big loss for the organization. He was truly in lean times and in and in great times a total constant as far as the organization is concerned. You were always in good times and yeah. bad times. Exactly. I'm sure he's probably saying <laughs> that more than once. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Dave Montgomery was um, you know, and maybe maybe sort of to your point, Dave, I certainly thought that he was, or what will be your point, the most Philadelphia Phillies of the tributes. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think um, what he was with the organization for 50 years. Yeah. The the other tributes were with the Phillies for a combined seven. <laughs> Maybe. Because I think, yeah. you know, on Saturday we had uh, Manny Trio, who was with the Phillies for three years. And uh, Roy I mean, Halliday what are three on. years to pick? If you're going to pick three years to be with well, the Phillies, it's yeah, sort sure. of the three years. It, like, you I know, mean, other than like 80 to 82 or... I can't think of a better. A better <laughs> yeah, player. yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So Friday night we have uh, new Philly, uh, Kyle Gibson, uh, starts the game. And, like, if there was any doubt that – Kyle Gibson and uh, Ian Kennedy were like part of this team. Now this weekend certainly uh, answered any of those questions for you. I mean, the, I, I and I can't even remember the specific instance. It was probably the sixth inning. I think the you know we were, Mets were threatening and and it probably struck out Pete Alonso because I feel like Pete Alonso struck out every time he got up <laughs> to the plate in that series. But just the like just the fire. It's like ah you know. To be in this pennant race, not like not grown up in this organization, to be playing our arch rival at home, sold out crowds in Philadelphia, and just to feel that electricity and that playoff atmosphere, it just like seared him right into like Philly. It's like, okay, yes, you are my you're a guy, you're a dude that is gonna be all right, I can count on you. I you got this. You you know, you know the drill. Yeah, and I think it was not just you know the new additions, but the whole team, um, even the, the the crowd. It really went from you know the plugging along Phillies. You know, we're not out of it. We're within striking distance. You know, we had a lot of problems. So all of a sudden, this this juggernaut, this team that really looks confident, really looks bought in, and we talk about how late in the season is it's still just the beginning of August, you know? So to see that across the team and especially with the new additions and how great is it to bring people in to bolster the team and then just get immediate results to go like, Hey, you know, our, our rotation, our bullpen is weak. Um, let's shore it up. And then they did. And to see, real contributions, real results so quickly and, and just, you know, get in line and um, it's jumping around a bit, but you know, the guy WIP says doesn't hit enough home runs is clearly the leader of this team. You know, a couple years ago he shows up, he has his fanatics, you know, his Philly fanatic cleats on and he's really 
playing into the crowd, playing into like I'm Mr. Philadelphia through and through. But God damn it, has Harper delivered? You know, this is his team, not just because he's the most expensive player, not because he's the biggest name. It is his team. You can see it across the board. And, you know, you see it in the new guys, you see it in the excitement, and you're probably hearing my excitement. I can't, I can't remember when I've been this excited about the Phillies. So, yeah, and speaking of excitement, um, who is who is more excited on the Phillies than their injured player, Reese Hoskins, uh, just on the rail <coughs> every night, every batter? <clears throat> I don't know how much of it he's playing into, <clears throat> you know, I, the cameras on me when a left-handed hitter, uh, you know, hits a jack or not. Uh, <laughs> but boy, his reactions have just been priceless. And uh, I don't, know, I don't know if you saw the <clears throat> the Phillies Twitter account tweeted something out today. It said, "Which Reese are you?" And uh, they showed like all of his different reactions to to home runs like are you shook reese are you oh my god reese are you uh pumped up reese you know and it was like a great it was great i mean he's just so excited and i would it's like i would i can't wait for him because i'm at this point where it's like i am supremely confident in this team uh making the postseason and you know i don't believe in jinxes and crap like that i am confident that they're going to do this um for him to experience postseason baseball or a lot of these guys who experience postseason um baseball as this as this team together you know nola wheel like all these guys um and i'm just really you know i think we're all just falling in love with this team also one of the like one of the true philadelphia like born and bred not born and bred but yeah one of the organization guys really it's it's him nola i'm trying to think of who uh there's there's one other i guess of the of the i mean um yeah you know that really truly have come up through the system and it's finally going to get a chance to um, you know, see, see how it was when they were probably just kids watching the, 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 the late, the late run of the 08, 09, 10, 11 squads. Um, the other thing about Reese Hoskins, before we get too, too far off of that, um, as far as people that are being excited, first of all, I'm not sure who, and I don't know if we talked about this last week, but whoever the home run hat is got a, a lot of good mojo. Um, I don't know if we need to credit Brad Miller or JT or just Brad Miller in general. Talk about a guy who is just a a role player. But on all of your, if you think about all of the great, um, great teams in in sort of in Philadelphia sports history, there's always that guy who isn't necessarily in the starting lineup, um, who sort of embodies. Uh, okay, Ar- Archie Bradley is the uh, Archie Bradley is the originator of the home run hat. Okay, well oh, that's okay. even better that it's not even a guy who actually hits. Um, <laughs> well, JT credits Archie Bradley's Archie another Bradley. guy brought in. Talk about finding a sort of like fixing the the chemistry in that clubhouse. Uh, you know, such a shift from when we had guys like Carlos uh, Santana and st- or not Carlos Sant- is it Carlos Santana that was the horrible smashing up TVs when they were playing. Um, playing uh <laughs> yeah, video yeah. games in the locker room or something yeah um yes. <laughs> so you know talk about a, a change in direction as far as bringing in other uh, other um uh other free agents but what is really beginning you're beginning to see is that winning is be- it becomes infectious and you can see it on anytime gene segura uh what do we call him lesser gene or greater gene i'm <laughs> greater or lesser gene the lesser gene the greater um he uh, he is so excited when he when he's going around the base paths. Um, he basically carried Sunday his bat with him almost entirely to first base when he hit that home run. And Mike Schmidt was talking about. It. He says, "I don't know if I've ever carried a bat 
that far down to first base when I was in my training. Um, but yeah, I mean, literally, it's it's one of those things where Winnie is infectious. And the last time the Phillies sort of had this sort of energy was like 2007, when I think that that sort of that winning culture sort of got into the bones of the organization. Maybe this is this is the start of the, the Phillies sort of catching that winning um, that winning. I don't know, what do you call it? The winning fever, the winning flu? I don't know. Well, yeah, you just have the confidence, the mentality, the expectation that you're going to go out there and you're going to succeed at the plate or you're going to win the game or you're never out of it. You can always come back or the next guy is going to pick you up. Gene Segura is a great example of this because he is like a completely different player than he was two, three years ago under Gabe Kapler, where it was like, oh, why doesn't Gene Segura hustle? Like, do you need to bench Gene Segura? Like, what's wrong with this guy? And now, like, he's one of, like, the, the in my opinion, like, the hardest playing player on the field. Like, he's sliding into first. Um, he's laying out on on ground balls. I mean, he's made some spectacular plays in the field. I mean, like, you know, for, for his, he's not the greatest ranging second baseman in the world, but – um, he's certainly, you know, putting it all out there for the team. So it's. But he, know, he it's, also doesn't make a lot of stupid plays at second base. You know what I mean? The same thing we used to say about, and you know, maybe this is sacrilegious to compare him, but you know, <laughs> Chase Utley didn't have the greatest range at second base either. But everybody always credited Chase Utley with just having sort of that sixth sense of knowing what to do with what he had available, and you know it seems to me that Gene Segura is just making a lot of, there was a play the other day where he, he sort of had to hesitate and wait for, um, I think it was the runner to go by and then charge a ball and still make a play on it. And it looked very routine to a certain degree, but you know, to a man, everybody who was talking on the broadcast kept saying that that, that Gene Segura, the reason that was a great play is because of how easy he made that look, the amount of concentration and athleticism, it sort of took just to make something look that routine. Um, it was really great. And it's, it's, it's hard to find ways to complement the Phillies' defense. So when they give us opportunities, we should probably take them. The shortstop, on the other hand, sometimes still leaves a lot to be desired. But thankfully, he's been picking it up on the offense so that, you know, his defense is a little less highlighted. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bohm is still having struggles defensively. Um, uh, Joe Girardi played the right notes tonight, uh, although we're in a rain delay with the Dodgers. Uh, he played the right notes today to sit Boehm, um to put, uh, you know, in favor of uh, Ronald Torres uh, in a third place. who made a spectacular uh, play to turn a to turn double play to end the inning. I think it was in the second inning or something, second in the first inning. inning. Um, <clears throat> so, and where would we be without without him? And 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 when Freddie Galvis is is healthy, he's going to be the 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 uh, the Kim Batiste to um, uh, Alec Bohm's Dave Hollins. Oh, that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, and a great reference for the kids out there. <laughs> All of our young listenership will just. Eat that. Know your history. You won't regret it. Know your history. <laughs> uh, so let's let's move on to Saturday night because Saturday night was the night that my wife and my in laws learned that I could cannot pronounce Jose Avalardo's <laughs> name. <laughs> I got it's it's Alvarado, right? That's how you say it. it Alvarado. Like, it I, I think I got to think of it as an actual person's name. His name is Al. Verado. No, I still can't do it. <laughs> Alvar- Alvarado. 
Uh, yeah. So I've been and, trying different ways to try to remember it. Like I've been thinking like avocado, Alvarado. No? I, I think it's just a losing effort at this time. Although you're coming close. And I do want to really reassure people this is not a bit. It is this happens whether 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 we're on Potadelphia or not, like Alvarado comes up and like I don't even know how you mispronounce it, Dave. It's like you get the ah sound or like some sort of a sound. I've been you know. neglecting the comments here. There's some stuff in here. Tim says avocado. It's avocado. like Haas Alvarado. <laughs> Alvarado from Mexico. I don't even know if he's from Mexico or not. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, so, all right. So, Saturday night. What happened Saturday? Uh, Ranger Suarez started that game, right? Yeah, and I think they had him pitch almost exactly 60 pitches on the nose. Yeah, he pitched two and two and a third, two and two-thirds. Mm. And then I, I believe um, Aliens dropped off J.D. Hammer to us uh, <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> somewhere. Aliens so, built the pyramids. Yeah, at some time the in the last six months, the the aliens have decided to return JD Hammer as a, like an improved pitcher, um, and man, he's just been terrific. You get he this like found his, his groove in his role, and very few guys are given that role that he's particularly slid into because it's certainly not the marquee role. It's not the one that's going to give you a lot of wins. It's yeah. not the one that's going to get you a lot of saves. It's not even the one that's going to get you a lot of holds um, if you care about that stat. Um, but he's really sort of embraced just the whole idea of being sort of like the the starting mate of Ranger Suarez. Yeah, Tyler Perry's how J.D. Hammer got his groove back. Yeah. Well, and, and he actually did, I think, get the win <laughs> because he was the pitcher that had the most impact on the game Saturday. I think he actually did get credited did he get with the win? win. I think he actually did get credited with the win. Yeah, so this thing where it's like Suarez, Hammer, Hector Neris for two innings seems to be working, and Hector Neris seems to be finding this home in the middle innings. He's like, oh, my gosh, thank God you're not putting me in these high-pressure situations so I can just maybe relax and throw. I, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe everyone's just feeling the winning vibes and, and no one wants to be the one to drop the ball, um, but – it's working. Girardi's playing the right notes when it comes to the bullpen, at least for the last week or so. Um, yeah, I want to jump in on on that because I it might have just been last week, if not last week, two weeks ago, say in saying that you know I was afraid that Girardi wasn't pushing the right buttons, yeah. and well, he showed me. Um, <laughs> but it, it was something I was actually just thinking about while you were talking earlier of you know oh. We, we have hammer and where did he come from and just seeing these product this production you know and uh greater gene lesser gene gene segara <laughs> buying into it you know so maybe the fact that we're not hearing clubhouse drama you know even when the phillies were you know they were in contention but I know at least for me, it didn't feel like it. You know, the fan base wasn't showing up consistently. You know, if Girardi has kept these guys bought in and ready for this moment, he deserves all the credit in the world. And his personnel decision of late, just he seems to know his team. So maybe it was just get them to this point and then and then go from there. Um, 
real quick, Tyler Perry had nothing to do with how Stella got her groove back. And Wasn't it somebody's how Stella got got her groove back? Uh, Terry McMillan? I don't, I don't know. know. I thought it was like a something, like somebody presents how Stella got her like groove a back. Like Lee joint? <laughs> this isn't getting any better, so maybe we should drop this. All okay. I'm saying, if, like, if you're watching the live feed and was looking at Sarah checking out her phone the whole time, it was just going like, that, that was before Tyler Perry went mainstream. <laughs> and okay, a good fine. movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, um, anything else from... Oh, we got to talk about Manny Trio on the Wall of Fame. Thoughts? <laughs> I love the Wall of Fame. The Wall of Fame is just perfect like because they keep just reinforcing <laughs> they just keep reinforcing that it's this punchline i don't want it to get better i like is danny jackson on the wall of fame <laughs> stop no Not is yet. he i don't know but i want him on there i want i want the philadelphia wall the phillies wall of fame just to be filled with guys who made the all-star game one season you know anytime the all-star game any all-star game comes up we talk about you know how it should be for the kids and how kids should be able to stay up and watch their favorite player or go that's my guy you know that that's the guy who's representing us and i know the phillies stink right now but but this is my guy and doug glanville is an all-star. I don't care what you say. He's just as good as anybody else in this league. They need to be on that wall of fame. I want that wall of fame just to be a who's who of who's that, you know? And I, I'm just so happy to see that Philly's tradition continue. I, I sometimes feel like there are certain teams in Philly's history that they're just not going to be content until every member, like, down to – like your most utility of utility infielders is on the wall of fame. Um, you know, there's going to be, you know, Kevin Stocker is going to have his day. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of another good example from, uh, from 93. Uh, Kim Batiste is a good example of what I'm trying to, trying to get across. Um, you know, are we going to get a, a, a West Chamberlain uh, moment on the wall of fame? Are we going to go through, like the sort of second best player on teams that finished last in the nineties. <laughs> I think really that right. that should just be a theme for can the Wall of Fame. Can we reinduct? I'm gonna. I'm just can gonna reinduct Mike Lieberthal. Uh, no. Can we get him up in. there? He's already. Can we get him here twice? Enshrine. No. The, uh, here, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna read you the inductees. Uh, <clears throat> just the last like. I don't know, 15 or so, and you tell me if they like warrant it or not, right? Okay. So Dallas Green in 2006, Obviously, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. John Vukovic, 2007. Sort of a sentimental pick, but. Okay, but it makes sense because the city is sentimental about him, right? I guess. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Juan Samuel, 2008. Yeah, I mean, Samuel yeah, was, same... a, was a good player. Yeah. Okay. Harry Callis, of... obviously. Darren Dalton, obviously. So John Crook. 2011. Do you not think the crux should be on the wall of fame? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, five years. He played for us four or five years. He was an all-star a couple times. Well, I mean, it's you associate crux with any other organization? Padres. That's the only other one that like comes I mean, to like, mind. Do you think of John Crux Padre? Do, <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, do you think John Crux? needs to be enshrined in a team's wall of fame. 
Maybe he, not yet. If he if if he if, I, if he stays in the booth and it's and keeps up. Yeah, I feel like now well. there's like this real hardcore connection to John Cruck with the booth work. Um, but okay, so then we got Mike Lieberthal. Who was the only Philly really for a, a decade that was worth rooting for? It really just right. seems like the it's not the wall of fame; it's like the wall of popularity. Like it who popularity, who. Yeah, but who was popular here for a couple seasons? You know, there's a co- you know a couple yeah. guys already were like, I guess kinda. I mean, I like them. Like, I, don't I mean, if you could make a case that Mike Lieberthal is the greatest Phillies catcher of all time based on like game play, play and yeah. durability and tenure alone. You know, um, so okay, I'm okay with that one. Kurt Schilling. <sighs> Uh, controversially, I'm 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 sort of not into that pick. I don't necessarily think that he should be on the. Well, it was 2013. I, I don't even so, mean because of his political stance. I just mean that I think okay. that his career after the Phillies was a lot better career than what he had here. And he was my favorite player while he was here. You know, I would purposely go up just to watch his pitch. You know, his games he pitched and against you know in years where the Phillies were just dreadful. Um, but he just doesn't scream like Philly's Wall of Fame to me, honestly. John Crook to me is a much more a much better decision than, than Kurt Schilling. Okay, Charlie Manuel. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. now that was that was twenty fourteen. Okay, now we start to get problematic in my mind. Twenty fifteen, Pat Burrell. No, I, I mean he was very popular. But there's the many women from the Jersey Shore that would disagree with you, Gene. I know, but yeah. just, just no. I mean. He's not the wall of fame. Okay. All right. 2016, Jim Tomey. Oh. That Jim Tomey, everything Gene just said about Schilling, it it's, goes double for Tomey. You know, it's not even like, we weren't even like where he began his career. He was... All right, it's an Indian. Yeah. Guardian. A guardian. Guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> a Clevelander. Um, but... <laughs> He was fine, likable, right? You know, right. Took stats from Howard. I mean, <laughs> the most like, memorable is, Jim Tomey yeah. thing to me is, I guess, when he hit his 400th home run and like walking around a construction site. Those are the two most memorable Jim Tomey moments. Jim Tomey is an awesome baseball player and probably an, an even better human being, and a, no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. Um, just sheer power. I mean, just a great ball player, great guy. I love him. I just don't know how much I feel like connection with Philadelphia because like, you're right, Sarah, like that was this thing. Like, it's like, Oh my God, we signed Tomei and all he's doing is clogging up the way for Ryan Howard, who doesn't even come into the league until he's 26. Like how many, like could Ryan Howard be a 500 home run hitter? If he were here two years earlier or, you know, three years earlier, whatever it could have been. I don't know. Typically, oh. I typically I I really don't like hypotheticals like that of like oh well you never know what's going to happen, but I, I mean the the wear and tear on your body playing baseball in the big leagues versus playing baseball in the minor leagues it's not really that different. It's not like oh you get hit harder in the big leagues, you know, <laughs> like you know it's not like other sports. There's no combat combat. <laughs> there's there's no contact, there's no collision, there's nothing right. like that. But 
so there I really do think like you can just pad those numbers. Maybe maybe he's not an all-time great, but he gets a lot closer if he's up with the big organization sooner. I'm sorry. I'm just looking up Ryan, Ryan Howard's uh, career home. I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, 382. So he certainly would have been over 400. Oh, maybe. yeah. Oh, he, might be, yeah. he might be closer Good. to 450, though. Yeah, um, it, it wouldn't be surprising to see like Ryan Howard prolonging his career of, you know, just with DH spots, you know, in the AL trying to boost those numbers if he got a head start earlier. I mean, not that I'm advocating for that because nobody likes to see that of the, you know, Ryan Howard really should have hung him up earlier. So, right. but he could have. It really, Tomei being here. But if he's, I think if, he's, if he's like chugging for 500, you're going to be like, yes, keep yes. them. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So the uh, 20, uh, so the 2017 was the year that we were going to induct Pete Rose. Um, and then <laughs> all the stuff happened and they said, okay, no wall fam this year. <laughs> Good call. Uh, Good call. Okay. The, the, the one time they make the, the correct decision with the wall. Decision, yeah. um, Pat Gillick, 2018, yeah, <clears throat> uh, Pat Gillick and Roy Halladay. <clears throat> so two short timers. Um, Bobby Bray in 20, 2019, no one in twenty twenty, and then Manny Trio in twenty twenty one, who played three years with the Phillies. <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. To be honest, you're gonna have to do Jimmy Rollins. Well, I think this is we're getting very very close to opening up. You're gonna do your Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan. They're Hamill, gonna do them all at once, right? Cole Hamels. They're going to water it down and do them all at once. You should, but they're not going to. They're going to bleed this thing for. No, no, no. I think they should give each person their own individual. Their own individual. All right, whatever. Do you think that they would do it all the same year, or do you think it's going to be like year, year? You know. Uh, Yeah, I think they'll do it all the same year. I think they'll just do it three separate nights within the same year. If they do it all at once, it's going to be an awesome night. Like you're going to, if they do them all at once, you're going to have to go to that game. Yeah, Yeah. I would. I think that would be great if you're going to put you, you put. Like put in the all the the OH squad, you know, together, you know. Yeah, yeah. That that's the if if you put them all together, then you could say, uh, you know, you got to buy a partial season ticket plan. You get you get this game, or you got to buy a season ticket plan to guarantee yourself ticket. Yeah, people would go nuts for that kind what of. What a stuff. Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley <laughs> night would be epic. Oh, it would. It would. Well, I, I, I later since he's still playing, but. I think you could put in. I, but I got to say, like, as much as I'm like, I don't know, Manny Trio is like a little kind of like a fringe guy for me. Um, like I said, I was down the shore and I was with my with my in-laws and, and they had their friends there. And I was like, so what's Manny Trio mean to you guys? And they were just like, I love Manny Trio. Like, Manny Trio was awesome. Like, you know, so in the same way that some of those three or four-year players for us were such, you know, so impactful. I guess, like, like how long was Jason Worth with the Phillies? I think like five years. Yeah, like he's, he's like a like Wall of Fame guy, right? I think he's like 06 to like 09 or 10. I Will don't he know. be Wall of Fame? Worth left like a really bad taste when he went to the Nationals. I don't know. He's he's sort of got like a little bit of a hex on him. Well, I mean, I don't think you can really begrudge the guy for, you know, getting paid. I don't. I'm just saying that like there was sort of a dark cloud that but sort four, of sat over the so, Jason Worth thing. Yeah, Jason Worth was with the Phillies for four years. He was actually with Washington for much longer than he was with the Phillies. He was never uh, really good with Washington, though. Uh, I mean, he had, yeah, I mean he, had, he had 300 a couple years, you know, whatever. But 
I, like to me, I, I feel like you know if he gets into the Wall of Fame, which I think he probably will at some point down the road, they're going to just be like everyone from that team. I mean, if Pat Burrell's in there for crying out loud. Um, Victorino's definitely going to go in. Yeah, like you know, Victorino. How long did he play for the Phillies? Like not, not really that long. Um, <clears throat> you know, is Hunter Pence going to go on the Wall of Fame? <laughs> that would be the line. That would no, be but the I can line see. Where... I can see my see, I son think Matt being. Matt Stairs is the line. I think Matt Stairs is the line. No, That's... stop, Matt Stairs. No, Matt Stairs. <laughs> There's no. They can't do that, right? I could just see my son being like Jason Worth. You know, <laughs> kind of like that's a little fringe. Like you think dad and I'd be like, no, no, no. Jason yeah. Worth was awesome. Like he was really important. We would have never won the World Series and stuff without him. Although I would we argue that Raul Abanez might have been more important in 09. Yeah, they didn't win the World Series though. What do you think of Chooch? Tim's asking about Chooch. What do you think of Chooch? Oh, Chooch, I think's a lock. I think Chooch yeah. is. Man, people love Chooch. Well, not only do the fans love him, the team loved him, and all the success we had with, you know, the the uh, the rotation and the bullpen and just our pitchers. They they credit so much to to Chooch and you know Halliday. Halliday's time in Philly was short, but we've retired his number. He's on the the Wall of Fame. He's beloved by the city and the organization, and he loved Chooch. You know, we yeah, talked Doc about said, I'm the, you can't put me on any wall until you bring Chooch with me, unless I can bring Chooch with me. Yeah, and it's he, he's fundamental to this this uh, organization. He really sort of kept watch over the uh, over the pitching squad throughout all of that success. Hung around. After that success, you know, he, I think he has the tenure. I think he has the number. I think he has the heart of uh, the fan base and the organization. I think Chooch is a slam dunk. You know, I think with, with as much as this organization has trouble identifying talent, um, catcher is the one position that I think that they really understand because by hook or by crook, we wind up getting uh, a, a quality backstop pretty consistently. If you look yeah. back to like, Boone and uh, Lieberthal, Dalton and Chooch, and I mean, obviously you went out and you got you got um, JT, but uh, you know you got to do what you got to do, right? And now we have Marshawn coming up in the minors, who you know potentially could get us a piece that would put us over the hump if you know he turns out to be what everyone thinks he's going to be, which doesn't always work out with this organization. But so Saturday night is the uh, is the Lavera night. Is it Lavera or is it Yavera? Yovera, Lavera, right? Uh, I'll defer to you on that right. one, Dave. We're just gonna <laughs> say uh, starts the ninth inning. Uh, we're up uh, five nothing, uh, <laughs> and then proceeds to to throw up three consecutive cupcakes uh, to bring the game to, to five three. And you know, I, in, in, in Joe Girardi's defense, he wanted to take him out after the second home run, but the three batter <laughs> rule uh, prevented that and awarded the Mets with an, with an extra run before um, Kennedy came in. So, like, no more of him, right? Like, we can't – just no, can't he, pitch, right? He, would, he, would, he was probably probably put on a bus. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Thanks, kid. And then the bus hit a home run. <laughs> but that gives us the that gives us the Ian Kennedy moment of the uh, of the weekend, where just comes in with ninety three miles per hour of piss and vinegar, and uh, and just blows these uh, 
<laughs> untouchable fastballs uh, by the middle of the Mets order. They just can't touch them, and they strike out, and you get like the, the fire uh, Ian Kennedy uh, moment that I put as the thumbnail for for this episode. Uh, that just made me go like, All right, yes, you're another dude. Like we got two dudes for a dude who wasn't a dude. Right. <laughs> and we may have got a third dude that's in the uh, that's in the minors from everything we're hearing. Yeah, we got oh, two solid dudes dude. and a crazy dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. No, that was a great moment, and that's one of those. It, things that helps build, build that confidence. You know, we could have said like, all right, the, the Phils had a, an excellent run. They had what, six wins in a row at, at that time. If we had blown that game, it wouldn't have been, it would have hurt. It definitely would have hurt the, the blow a five, uh, five run lead in the ninth, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. You know, we had, we had enough, you know, good faith built up enough, positive energy build up that I don't think it would derail this team, but now you've banked more, you know, you've banked more confidence. You've banked, you know, we have people we can rely upon that when things start to look dicey and it's not like, yeah, we, the, the Mets couldn't hit a fastball, but they were hitting then, you know, they hit three home runs in a row, you know, their first place was theirs to take back with the win there. So that's I, I don't think you can overstate just how clutch Kennedy was to come in and to shut it down, to shut it down, get the win, and to to do so in fairly commanding fashion. Yeah, and so let's let's move on to Sunday because Sunday was Roy Halliday number retirement um night, uh which uh okay. We're going to retire 34. Um, and that's that's okay, I'm guessing, with everyone. Well, I think we talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and I, I've come to terms with it because I think, you know, he, he did pass away at a young age. Um, he was really electric for the time he was here, and he was very popular here. In a vacuum, I, I don't <laughs> think it makes much sense. You know, I I equate him so much to Chris Pronger. You know, yeah. Chris Pronger Good came time. in, lived up to the expectations, um, got the Flyers, like, almost by himself to the Stanley Cup final, and then injuries took him out. But And, and he went to the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's the criteria to get your number retired for the Flyers in almost every occasion um, for almost all the, the numbers they've retired except one. And he goes, okay, that that's really a parallel here. And it would be so odd if Pronger had his number retired by the flyers. You know, it just, it doesn't make much sense. Give me a Chris Pronger night. I, I will happily go to a Chris Pronger night, but even the flyers, the Flyers Hall of Fame, that would seem a bit of a stretch to put Pronger in there. And I love Chris Pronger. He he was one of my favorite players outside the Flyers to come to the Flyers and then like really succeed, really do well. And I think Halliday is so similar to that. But I, I've I've made my peace with the the recognition. It makes a lot of people happy. I think it's a bit odd. I think it's 
you know, especially that, like, I love the way the Phillies do the number retirement with the big number statue that's easy to pose with. And you can walk by and talk history and get photos of yourself, your kids, whatever. And it just kind of seems like, look at the great history of the Philadelphia Phillies. And there's Roy Halladay. And, oh, what did Halladay do? He had some really impressive games. And I think the, I, I, I honestly I think if that if that perfect game and the no hitter were both one hitters, this wouldn't be happening. I think you're right. In my opinion, I mean, the Phillies have two perfect games in their history. The other one's Jim Bunning, who is obviously also in the Hall of Fame and, and has his number retired. Um, and the other one is Roy Halladay. And the postseason no hitter um, is even like more, you know, more fuel to the like let's embrace Roy Halladay as as a Philly more because his most amazing feats have happened in a Phillies uniform. So, and, and I'll tell you, I think that that, that no hitter in the postseason is like, that's one of those rarefied, even though it's not a perfect, I mean, his perfect game was against Florida. Um, but you, you do that to a playoff team, you know, <laughs> do you just you shat on a perfect them. game? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shitting on the Marlins, but <laughs> I know, um, but like, dude, you can't diminish an accomplishment of a perfect game. And Marlins no, play a right. lot of games, dude. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I have um, a one hitter against the Marlins. World Series yeah. against Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at least Tampa was good enough to make the World Series that year. Um, uh, no, but I, I think the thing that sort of swung me around on the on the doc thing was I was talking to somebody, and honest to God, I can't even give this person credit because I don't remember who it was. Um, but they said part of the reason why this relationship between the Phillies and Doc exists is because it was sort of coming from both sides. Um, Doc Halliday loved being a Philly as much as the Phillies loved having him. Um, I think if you had a different relationship between the player and the organization, you might not have this same sort of reaction. Um, mm -hmm. Doc was a great Blue Jay, and I think that his family also has a very good relationship with Toronto. But there was something sort of unique about their time in Philadelphia. And I think had Halliday lived, that you would have found that he sort of stayed a fixture and was sort of already like doing some guest coaching in the Phillies organization. Yeah. I think you would have found that had he lived a longer life and had sort of a second career in baseball, which I think uh, the, just the way the guy talked, you just had the vibe that he was going to be a pitching coach, a manager someday. He just lived and breathed baseball. And um, I think that when I sort of was got the understanding that this is sort of a way to honor his embrace of the organization as much as the organization embraced him, sort of swung me a little bit around on, um, you know, getting why the Phillies feel the need to really lift Halliday up. Because I think that there's no other way sort of to honor him right now other than to sort of give him these posthumous, mm -hmm. you know, moments. Um, because you can't put him on the back of the truck and drive him around for Wall of Fame Day. He, he didn't make right. it. So because I think equally as far as talent is concerned, I, I think sort of, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the, the same great game resume. But Cliff Lee was equally important in his time with the Phillies. And Cliff Lee pitched for the Phillies in the World Series and had some incredible moments in that run for a team that almost won another championship. So um, I think that – That's it, kind it, of an interesting one. Cliff Lee Wall know, of Fame? 
I, I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think that if you're going to put Roy Halladay on there, you certainly can make a case for Cliff Lee. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll be honest. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, what I happens first, Cliff Lee or Joe Blanton? Together. <laughs> Shut up. What's that? <laughs> I, I said, what happens first, Cliff Lee or Joe Blanton? Joe Blanton hit a home run in a World Series game. So, you know. Yeah. That's what Joe I'm Blanton's saying. Not a lot of Phillies can say that. Joe Blanton's got a ring. <laughs> but yeah, I love Cliff Lee. I was a I was a bigger Cliff Lee guy. I was I'm still never going to forgive Ruben Amaro for trading Cliff Lee to restock the cupboard, which I think if you can't hear the air quotes in my voice, um, I, I if, if there was ever a way to take the wind out of getting Roy Halladay, it was trading Cliff Lee. Um, the fact that we lost those years where they could have been together longer, um, I think honestly it cost us a, a another ring. Um, so. So after the after the number retirement ceremonies, uh, Zach Wheeler then goes out and pitches a two-hit complete game shutout, uh, just thoroughly rubbing in the embarrassment uh, to the New York Mets who come away this weekend completely empty-handed. Uh, he goes on to retire. He gives up a double or a hit in the first the first batter and then uh, proceeds to retire twenty-two straight hitters. Um, the most since Roy Halladay's uh, postseason no-hitter. Um, and to hear Joe Girardi talk about it, saying, you know, he had, he had Roy's hand on him and everything, and he was getting uh, – Joe Girardi was getting emotional about it. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, this kind of made me turn around on the whole Roy Halladay thing, to be honest. You know, I, I enjoyed the day. As much as I have, you know, criticized the the overadulation of of Halliday's time in Philly, I really enjoyed the day. Um, you know, some people were like going like, "Oh, it was clear Doc was guiding guiding Wheeler out there." I'm like, eh, "Okay, like I I like the symbolism." It's like of, angels in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, but it also takes away from the guy who just struck out, you know, who right, retired right, right. 22 in a row and let up two 11 hits. 11 strikeouts, yeah. Yeah, like, well, that was all Doc. And, like, Wheeler's like, well, thanks. <laughs> like, is that a posthumous number for him? But it's it was a really – it was a great – it was a wonderful day. I mean, I was walking on air in that day. It was – the weather was nice. I played with my kids all ton outside, which means an easy bedtime. Um and I had the game on the TV, was listening to the game, and just really got to enjoy the dominance there. And it really, it was nice to hear, you know, what a great pitching performance on a day when we're celebrating great pitching performances. Right. You know, I I just want to take a moment to, to talk about Doc in a, a little more reverential, uh, where I'm not playing devil's advocate, where I'm not saying this is the reason maybe we should hold back but that perfect game you know I, i've said on the show before very few people maybe no one have, has come to philadelphia as a free agent and immediately lived up to the hype you know he he came he was promised to be the best pitcher in baseball and he came here and looked like the best pitcher in baseball and to have the perfect game followed by the playoff no hitter and the, the playoff no-hitter was more special because, well, it was in the playoffs, but it wasn't opposite the Stanley Cup final. Everyone was, you know, at least everyone I knew was watching the Flyers play the Blackhawks, and then there was 
room rumbling. It's like, oh, we got to get the Phillies game on. I'm like, it's the Stanley Cup. It's like, we have to put the Phillies game on. And like, nobody telling me why, you know, because nobody wanted to say it out loud. And then just picking it back up, you know, um, just picking it back up and just feeling that that momentum and having this really great moment in, you know, in a great sports year. And then to be followed by the the playoff no hitter that kind of felt like, at least to me, it felt like a, a make good to me. You know, I was paying all of my attention to the, the Stanley Cup final. I, I certainly watched and complete that perfect game. But now here's something I'm watching every pitch. I am watching every pitch of that game. And to the point I'm like, hey, you know, two up, two down, three up, three down, four up, four down. And then like the the existential crisis when I was at five up, five down. And I'm like, do I keep saying it? Like, which is the more important jinx? I did shut up at that point. Um, mostly because I was at a bar and I was getting looks to tell me to shut up. And I did. But it was a it was a great game and just really bookended uh um you know um, a pretty magical season for doc um so i really do appreciate that and it really was fun on sunday to just relive to celebrate doc and and just enjoy it yeah and let's you know we got we got about eight minutes left in the show phillies are down one nothing Corey seager just hit a home run off jd hammer again thanks aliens um <laughs> Uh, let's, let's skip the penalty, but let's do a penalty box tonight, but let's just talk about the 97, five fanatic penalty box, um, with our, with our last few minutes here, because this is just ripe. It's just ripe for discussion. Um, and we'll start with, uh, Tyrone Johnson, who I, I normally, I normally like, um, and I, I thought for a time that he was, you know, maybe going to be the future of Philly sports talk uh, radio. And, uh, you know, maybe they were grooming him as the heir apparent uh, for Mike Missinelli, but he goes to uh, the Eagles open practice this weekend. And um, I uh, sounds like he has some sort of altercation with a member of the uh, Eagles security team and, and then tweets this. Sierra, who works for the Eagle Security, is the stupidest human I have ever met. Stupid and bad at her job. If you see Sierra, and I hope you don't, remind her how stupid she is. Um, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and explain why this is absolutely disgusting tweet? Yeah, it's it's reprehensible, and I, I'm I'm using that in every sense of the word. And I was a fan of the guy too. Um, I'm now blocked by that guy. And so are many of the people listening to this, uh, I imagine. <laughs> but he has a pulpit. He, it's, I've said so many times that even I'm sick of hearing me saying it. When you have a platform, you have a responsibility to use it responsibly. And to name someone, to call out Sierra by name. And you might not feel like that's a big deal, but her name was all over Twitter. And yeah, Twitter, we can we can get a lot of navel gazing and feels more important than it is. But people see that and thousands, tens of thousands. I, I think it's like 30,000 people follow the guy. And he is 
not only listing her by name, he is asking people to call her stupid. And we're not in grade school. We're not children. You know, we get called worse things than stupid. But when you ask someone to target someone, that's fucked up. Lack of a better phrase, that is fucked up. Because <laughs> you only need two or three people to make things go from uh, yeah. inconvenient, impolite to tragic. Yeah, because, dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Because imagine just a few people wanted to call her stupid. Imagine if this tweet didn't completely blow up in his face. Imagine if people took his side. And, you know, his his wife, who did seem to be the root of the altercation um, over not knowing the freaking handbag rules at the stadium. Yes, they're inconvenient, but it's everywhere. They've been everywhere for years. It's on your damn ticket. Well, we don't, I mean, we, we certainly don't know everything that happened. I mean, they're, we don't, but she did attempt to defend herself and it was all over not knowing the handbag rules and she yeah, there, there's definitely yeah. something with a handbag and being able to get into the game. we don't know how it was handled or what escalated after that or yeah. who was responsible for the escalation certainly don't know any of that <clears throat> but regardless of what happened there this tweet ir is irresponsible yeah it's dangerous and it also is literally what, dangerous what made it even kind of like more gross was that people were like well what happened right like that's the next obvious question right is to say like hey ty well what happened and he goes, listen to the show tomorrow. Yeah. So that makes it kind of feel like really sleazy. Um, and then uh, the just the downstream effect of this was like, you know, the entire community got on his case about this, rightfully so. Um, yep. <clears throat> he blocked just about anyone that called him out on it. And uh, his wife had to delete her Twitter account. And he actually went on the air uh, yesterday and issued an apology for it and then didn't talk about it. So, you know, my question to him is, are you going to unblock all those people that correctly uh, called you out on it, which you now recognize as being wrong? Like no one, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and you know, I'll let you hop in in a second, but I doubt he realizes what was wrong. You know, he just got, he got, it didn't go... Do you think for one moment, if this took off and everyone said, you're right, she's wrong, I can't believe whatever happened, I can't wait to right. listen to your show to find out what happened. Do you think he would have changed his mind in the, no. the cold light of the day? No. No, and I, I, I'm pretty sure probably not, the station made him recant and Oh, I'm apologize. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it didn't look like he wanted to on the show, if you watch the clip. Um. Gene, any thoughts on this, or do you want to so, move on? I guess maybe I'll take like the long view. <clears throat> and um, there's a lot of of this whole thing that felt very much like, don't you know who I am? Like, don't you don't you realize mm -hmm. who I am? Like, you you do realize who I am. I am very important. So obviously, because no, I'm I do word of the day. It just it just felt so much like, you know. <laughs> You, you are not that far removed from, like, those of us that are just the other fans in line going into the stadium. Like, you are you are not 
you're not that you're not that famous. Like you're not that big of a deal, guy. <laughs> I think somebody <laughs> said. I think I said. I think I saw somebody say something like, uh, "Do you know who I am? Oh, I could put my pajamas on and sit in a poorly lit room in front of a laptop and talk about the Sixers if that's uh, <laughs> help jog your memory a little." <laughs> oh. I mean, you know. I, to some degrees, like we are, we are one one step removed from that. You know, we're one notch below that level of Philadelphia media. You know what I mean? Like, and do I go into places and be like, "Oh, where is my excellent, ex- uh, superior service to the rest of humanity?" Um, it it just directly to Sarah's point. Like, you have some semblance of a pulpit. Like, you have the ability to reach people and. If you can't take the 10 seconds that it, it takes to like be like, will this actually make a difference, positive difference? It'll make a difference. Will this actually make a positive difference in anyone's life if I say this? Or is it literally just going to be some sort of rage vent that I will eat, that there is literally no good that could come from it? And he got to see that there was literally no good that came from his inability to evaluate whether or not. I should say what I said. Too many people who have these fan bases, you know what I mean? But is it so much that people were a fan of Ty as they were a fan of sort of what he was beginning to represent? Sort of like maybe the next, the guy that could be a replace, you know, not only just a replacement for what we have in Philadelphia Talk Radio, but like a true difference in what we have in Philadelphia Talk Talk Radio. Yeah. Like a difference in every sense of the word, like a true different direction for the way that things are going. I think a lot of people really want that to happen. And when somebody like that behaves in a way that could be described as Cataldi-esque or Missinelli-esque, you you sort of get disappointed. Because if you had told me that Andrew Angelo Cataldi had give, sent out this exact same tweet, I would not have been surprised. I could see him calling someone by name on Twitter. Nah, nah. Angelo's crafty. I mean, he's slippery. You know, he knows what he's doing. He'd make Ty, somebody up. Yeah. He'd make Ty, somebody up. <laughs> Ty and he, and is he would like, probably say, like, you need to boo her. You wouldn't say call her stupid, but you should go and boo her. Yeah, I just think he's too he's too smart for that to get to fall into that trap. And he's since deleted his Twitter account anyway. Uh, but I feel like this is a potential like Ty's Twitter is potentially like a career killer for him because every sports fan in Philadelphia has either been blocked by Tyrone Johnson or knows somebody that has been blocked by Tyrone Johnson for something that's probably, well, not in all cases, but in some cases, like pretty innocuous, just like, Hey man, like I got to ask you, I got to push back on you on this. And you got to have some level of, thicker skin in this town to 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 be in the spotlight like that and speaking of thicker skin um in this town you know she's no longer with the station anymore but uh natalie Eganoff also uh stepped in it on the very same night and it, it kind of all started it all started with this tweet uh that first place feeling on a sunday and uh you know some uh 
like rocking some Phillies gear. But what people really called out was the weeds on the side <laughs> of the street, right? This is what everyone was upset about. Like, hey, if you look at the comments on this feed, it's like, hey, Natalie, like, you know, mow your quote unquote lawn or, like, you know, get the weed whacker, you know, whatever, all that, all, all that kind of stuff. And it's funny. It's funny. It, it, it is funny, but she essentially. She essentially took a selfie in her bathroom and the toilet was in the shop, you know, like, like, but going, I, I, I heard things about weeds, but I never saw that tweet until right now. So, all right. So there was like a a million comments. They're all about the weeds. Um, So she was basically very defensive. It's like, it's not, it's not my sidewalk. Like talk to mayor Kenny about the weeds. If you got a problem with the weeds or like, whatever. Um, And then she subsequently tweeted, which has long since been deleted, um, something to the effect, I tried to find it, but it's something to the effect of like, uh, you live 20 miles outside of the city and you call yourself a Philly sports fan. Yeah, and it... So she's attacking the suburbs people who are attacking her (laughs) sidewalk weeds. Which is almost all of the (laughs) Philadelphia sports fans. (laughs) Right. Right. And like, you know, who do you think listened to your show for for all those years? How many of your followers do you think live inside the city versus outside the city or listen to your podcast or, you know, whatever other future endeavor you're going to do? Rely on uh, those of us that live, you know, newsflash. No one on this podcast lives inside Philadelphia. Like, yeah, I don't know that damaging our brand or not, but it's the truth. And that, like, never did. Like, we all grew up (laughs) 20 miles outside of Philadelphia. At least. I'm closer. Well, you're the closest. I am closer. I'm closer than 20 miles. So I think I have an opinion. But I'm closer than 10 right now. I mean, is that fair? Oh, I have to get a map. Dude, <laughs> I, can, how close I, am, but. I jog to city line. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you are de- you are definitely closer than I am. But um, it, it's it's so defensive and dumb, and it wasn't even like a suburban versus a city kind of thing. You know, it's like oh, you know, talk to the mayor over the sidewalk. I mean, that unless she is renting from from Mayor Kenny. Like it's, it's still the homeowner's problem. Well, like, I mean, the weeds are like neither here nor there. It just turned but, into like a gatekeeping conversation, which is where it turns really funny, which I hate. I hate, I hate, I hate when people say they can't be a fan. Yeah. <coughs> like you can't be a fan. You weren't here then. You can't be a fan because you can't name uh, the, the shortstop that took over for Jimmy Rollins. You can't be a fan because of, uh, I don't know, but like, to say you grew up in a Philly suburb, you can't be a fan. <laughs> and which is just like you're in if you like baseball at all, whether you live 20 miles outside the city or I don't know, 50, 60, like well, depending on what direction you go, but you can live well outside the city and you're getting Phillies games. Like they are your team. And don't we all want that? You know, and then it was one of these comments, her like follow up. It's like, no, I wasn't saying like you're not real fans. I just stick people who, who like go to the city for things, but then drag it. There's, I've seen this logic so many times that there's people who are really hard in the city, but they want to get all of its benefits. And I really don't 
think like I haven't been invited to the suburban meetings where we sit around and make fun of Philadelphia. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've grown up here. It's always been an extension. I'll give you the Zoom link. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. It's just They're always all virtual been. now. Well, well, thank you. And that's we because you save. We do, we do. But it's it's our city. Like it's not our city. It's not like we don't live within the city limits. But we everything radiates out from Philadelphia, and we are in that radiation zone. Which makes it sound like a nuclear accident. Definitely and sometimes worse. it feels that way. And sometimes it feels that way. But if there was a nuclear strike on Philadelphia right now, all three of us would be screwed. Not Absolutely. as yeah, not as it'd screwed. be the worst because we wouldn't yeah. be in like the vaporization zone. We'd be in that like uh radiation <laughs> zone. So yeah. think of that. Who's the real Philadelphians <laughs> after nuclear war? Is it you? You'll be dead. We'll be left to rebuild, although I'll be bleeding out of my eyes. Okay. Yeah, the radiation, the mutants, and we'll have to defeat the mutants from New York. So (laughs) you will carry on your legacy. And they'll be uglier. All right, that is all the time we have for today. We've we've certainly run over. We'll be back next Tuesday where we'll be talking about Omega oh, Thursday, right? Gene, you alluded to it. We got the Cafefe semifinals with the Union. We got uh, Phillies uh, Phillies action that night against the, the, the Reds. We got Eagles preseason against the Steelers. And we have um, – there was one more thing, wasn't there? That's what I have on my list. Union Phillies, Eagles, what else uh, would there be? Oh, no. It, oh, the Field of Dreams game. Oh, oh uh, right, is, right, right. Is, is also that night. So uh, get your clicker. Right? Does anybody call it a clicker anymore? Get your clicker. Just my dad. Get your clicker ready because uh, it's going to get a workout. Um, I'll tape them. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll, be, so we'll be back next Tuesday. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening today, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Um, and also check out the Painted Lines. Oh, and Saturday night, I'm going to be on um, uh, the Painted Lines uh, animation movie draft. So you can come watch me select animated movies which i'm i'm very uh, i'm very passionate about and uh, do uh i don't know compile a team of the best the best animated movies so that should that should be fun and make the right saturday day. yeah vote for vote for me vote for dave a vote for dave is a vote for freedom <laughs> all right so we'll see you next tuesday have a great day everybody we are out of here <laughs>